My name's Sarah Frick, and you're listening to Are You For Real? A podcast all about being real. Like, really real, not just cute Instagram real. Like, real. Welcome back to Are You For Real with Sarah Frick. Today, we are sitting down with some local Charleston business owners to talk about... um, the experiences that we've had with the COVID, the COVID, as I call it, <laughs> the pandemic. Um, and we have um, my buddy Aaron Siegel here representing a restaurant, Home Team Barbecue. If you guys are not local, um, Aaron will talk a little bit about his restaurant in a minute. And also Catherine Boardman talking about uh, she owns some shoe stores in Charleston and in Georgia. And she is also Carter's mother. <laughs> and her shoes are um, shoes on King and shoes on Surrey. Um, so just wanted to give you guys a minute just to do some introductions. You guys have met, um, Aaron before he was one of my first podcastees and now we're back. And, um, I guess basically when I started thinking about having this conversation, we talk a lot about supporting local, um, and what that really does look like on the level that we're all dealing with, with our businesses and not knowing when things are going to go back and how that you know, affects every part of every part of the business. So um, before we get into that, let's start off with Catherine, just giving you a little, give us a little intro. I am um, in my, I'm almost 60. And so I started these <laughs> What's your blood type? No, that first, lay that out there. Um, I'm from Augusta. I went to the College of Charleston many, many years ago. I've always loved Charleston. Charleston is a vastly different city today than it was when I was here in school. So fast forward to uh, in about 2009, decided um, my children were gone. I was div- newly divorced. And I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm not going to go play bridge at the country club or whatever. It's too, too young for that. So mm-hmm. shoe store. So I started <laughs> shoes at Surrey and um, every everything I did before opening it, I just would tell myself, if I ever reach a point where I don't like this, I'm going to stop. I mm-hmm. don't have to do this. I will do something else. And so I've never reached that point um, 12, however many years later. Mm-hmm. Um, three years after opening the Augusta store, opened the Charleston store and had people from Charleston um, say, you do know we have a really good shoe store here. Uh-huh. And I was like, I, I guess who's still in business. Do know that. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, that is sort of the genesis of my shoe store. And I love every, I love the shoe business. I love retail. I love the people that work for me. And mostly, um, I think when I was first starting, I was like, okay, if I go to these shoe shows and this is a bunch of creepers, I'm not going to do this. They are some of the nicest people you'll ever meet mm-hmm. in the shoe business. So it's a lot of fun. I have fun. And yeah. if, when I when I quit having fun, I won't do it anymore. COVID has not been that much fun. But yes. In general, it is fun. Yes. And I think that's the case for a lot of people that do start small businesses. It's, you know, you put everything you have into something because you love it and then hope for the best. And Right. Yes. Um, okay, Aaron. Yes. Tell us about you. <laughs> you, you, don't, you can tell us your age too, actually. Uh, <laughs> or you don't have to. I just turned 47 years old. <laughs> well, congratulations. Yeah, thanks, man. You're great, pres- buddy. Thank you, man. I appreciate Aaron is it. an avid works worker-outer as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I started um, Home Team in 2006. We opened up a store in West Ashley. Um, and then uh, 2009, we opened up Sullivan's Island. Um, 
uh, you know, it was just, we weren't, we weren't even making money yet in West Ashley, but we found a good spot on Sullivan's Island, thought it would work. Um, and then everything kind of came together. The brand started kind of, um, you know, those two stores combined, uh, what we had been doing before at West Ashley, which was producing good food and kind of creating a good organization and good atmosphere. And that combined with Sullivan's Island. And, um, you know, I think people started to recognize us, come see us more often. And so we gained some steam after that, um, went seven years, uh, without opening a restaurant after that, um, just trying to build our structure and really hone down our processes and, and just uh, really pay attention to our organization, try to be profitable and, and um, make our organization strong. And then 2016, we opened up downtown. Um, and that year, we also opened up a restaurant in Colorado, which was sort of a unexpected expected thing um and uh you it's know a big we, jump from charleston yeah, to colorado <laughs> I, I was in i spent four years in in aspen before i moved to charleston in 2002 uh, my best friend from from college who i worked for out there um is a chef owner of a restaurant and we had been talking about um, possibly doing something out there with home team because they just sort of needed a um you know uh, a, an approachable restaurant in yeah. that town that wasn't going to break the bank and that you could bring your family to. So it turns out to have worked uh, for the same reasons we kind of have worked here, which is we kind of appeal to, to everybody. Mm-hmm. And so anyhow, we opened those two restaurants in 2016 and then we opened up uh, in Columbia a year ago, May. So um, five home teams right now. So it's a lot. Yeah. It's a big family. Yeah. That's a big lot. There's a lot of people that to, that are under that umbrella That's that right. work with you. Yeah. Um, and just for you guys that don't know what I do, I think most people that listen to the podcast do, we own um, two fitness studios in Charleston, um, South Carolina as well. We own one downtown Charleston, and we are opening a second one in Mount Pleasant. Um, we had a pop-up there, and now we're opening our full-service studio in about maybe two weeks or so. Um, and then Carter and I, as y'all know, you got to meet Carter on the podcast last week. If you haven't listened to it, listen to it. She's somebody you would love to know. Um, her and I are going into business to open a cycle studio as well. Um, so just a lot on the line for a lot of us. And at the same time, I think with the entrepreneurial, how do you say that? Entrepreneurial? That's it. Sounds good to me. Okay. (laughs) With that spirit in mind, it's hard to stop. Like once you kind of, you know, I, um, for us, when we opened here, I was surprised at how successful it was so quickly. Um, I have a, a really amazing team and people that stand behind me, which I know you do too, and I know Carter said mm-hmm. you do as well, Catherine. And I think um, that's been a big topic of conversation and one of the things I wanted to talk about first. What's it been like? I know Aaron and I spoke about this like right when it all started. Just you have so many people that work under the home team family. Like, how has that been? <clears throat> um. Well, I mean, uh, obviously, when we closed, uh, it was it was really. What tough. were the dates you all closed? Uh, I believe we we closed on March eighteenth. Okay. I believe that was the day. Um, it was a it was the day after the the governor's order came out for I think fifty people or less. We'd already made our decision to go ahead and close, but uh, it was. I mean, it was uh, like being in a, in another world. I mean, taken down. We've got almost. We almost had. It was just about four hundred employees that we had at that point in time. Um, so to, you know, 14 years of, of building those teams and, um, just, you know, just watching it go through your fingers like sand, mm-hmm. um, and not know, knowing what was going to happen. So it was, it was really, really difficult. I also knew that it was kind of something we, we had to do. I, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't take back that decision. Um, you know, four months later, after looking back on it, we did, we did the right thing. Um, and you know, a lot of people followed suit after that. Uh, we, and we, we just weren't. 
I, I respect everybody that went through, you know, and did to go. And some people were successful at it. We were just, as a group, we weren't just, we just weren't comfortable with it yet. Mm-hmm. And so we sat it out until, um, actually we, we opened up for to go May 1st. So we started to, we got our, our PPP loans. So we we're able to bring back our whole, whole management team. We have a management company that has about, had about 60 managers. Um, so we brought all those people back a couple of weeks before we opened, um, started to get into restaurants and teams and small teams and, and kind of do some cleaning projects and get ourselves ready, um, for when we did open for to go. So we did that on May 1st, I believe. Um, and then, we, we started to open up for um, some outdoor dining towards the end of May. So we slowly built our teams back up. And today did I lose a lot of people? Yeah, we lost a lot of people. I mean, you know, some people just kind of, you know, just went out into the wind, you know. Yeah. They, you know, who knows where they went. You know, the restaurant yeah. business is kind of, I mean, you equate it a lot to like, a, um, you know, to, to the music business. I mean, you know. People run out and go get in the restaurant business. The, you know, there's people tugging them different directions. Say, come home, do this. And, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I got a job for you. You know, the family plant or whatever. And I think it. You know, uh, uh, you know, at that point, a lot of people were like, okay, it's time for me to to ditch this. And then yeah. we had, um, you know, we've had a lot of people that just haven't really been able to deal with the circumstances. It's just a different um, atmosphere um, than they're used to. You know, a lot of people get into to um, to the restaurant business for for because they love hospitality and hospitality has been really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, it just looks different and feels different. And so we've had some folks that, um, you know, have been with us for a long time, managers, um, servers, um, you know, cooks, uh, chefs that, uh, just, you know, said, you know, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do something different. And, um, that's been kind of heartbreaking because th- these are all good people and they are good people. Um, they're still good people. They're just, you know, they, and I respect the fact that they wanted to go do something else and I've seen it, seen it a bunch. And yeah, so it's, it's been a, it's been just that, that, that was the biggest concern I had from the beginning was keeping our teams together that we worked so hard to build. And that's still my concern, um, to this day. And I had an orientation this morning at downtown for all our new employees and also from the house meeting. And it was just really nice to look around and see, a lot of the same faces that were there beforehand and that had been with us since the start, since we opened up downtown. And then to see the new faces that were jumping in with, with the old faces and, and still know that we have that culture yeah. that we can still, um, you know, uh, that we can still put in front of people when they come on. Yes, that is important. And you have a, you have a pretty small staff. Catherine. I have a much smaller staff. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky you. Eric, no, but, I know, right? but is everyone full time? So no, um, Let's see. I have uh, three three full time in Augusta, four in Charleston, and then two part time people in Augusta. And I had two part time people in Charleston. And um, so, fortunately, my staff is. I mean, we are. That's that's a minimal staff. Mm-hmm. Like there are certain times of the year that we bring on a few more people, mm-hmm. or you know. Um, so my business is so different. So when we shut down, when we closed our doors, we um, didn't actually, well, we closed our doors. We closed our doors to the public. Mm-hmm. We, we weren't having people in our stores, but mm-hmm. we were still going um, m- reduced hours, except for my bookkeeper and I were not such mm-hmm. reduced hours. But, um, and we had... Um, we were trying to do anything we could to generate some sales. We were doing curbside um, pickup of shoes. We were delivering shoes. Mm-hmm. We, we were shipping out shoes and through Instagram. 
And um, so that was working fairly well. We, we had to drive some sales. So this hit right when we were at our maximum capacity. We had just received all of our new spring shipment. We were supposed to have uh, um, a trunk show that's one of our, that's the biggest day of the year in our store um, the week before we closed down. Mm-hmm. I mean, the week after we closed mm-hmm. down. So we couldn't have our trunk show. Yeah. And, but our my stock room was as full as it gets. And so we had to drive some sales in order to survive. So I did, as far as my employees, I gave them, I said, you know, we need to try to, as um, Miss Carter had keep, kept using the word pivot. We got to pivot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I said, we, she hates we, that word now. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, I see it so much now, but she was right. So anyway, yeah. we had to do something. But I, I gave um, everyone the choice. I was like, we need to do this. We need to try to drive some sales. I'm not, I don't want to furlough anybody. I'm going to, at that point, you know, the PPP loan thing was just something that you were hearing about. Right. You couldn't even apply. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try to, I'm going to do everything I can to survive. And so, but I did give them the choice. I said, if you are not comfortable coming, don't, you're not going to lose your job. Mm-hmm. You're going to get paid whether you come in for a few hours a day and help try to drive some sales some other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you will get your paycheck. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I had some that s- said, I'm not comfortable coming in and, you know, I respect that. Yeah. And so, but then after a couple of weeks, then they, they came back. Right. I don't know if they got tired of being at home and then I had another really unique situation as I was opening up a store in Savannah I was opening up a Steve Madden licensee store which is a sort of a new thing for for the Steve Madden company and I had uh, we were going to open March 23rd and so I had hired a manager a week a, a month and a half before and she was on board and working she's fabulous and um, but we had I had hired three other full-time people and we were getting ready to open, and we were like, we're not opening. I'm like, what do I do? These, yeah. these girls, they've all just quit their jobs to come work for me. Yeah. So I um, decided right then and there, um, you know, we weren't open, so they didn't have a choice. <laughs> they had to stay home. But I, but I paid them through that whole period until we opened late. We opened the 1st of June. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, and I, you know, I just... It, it, I had to do that. It's like, I'd rather eat ramen noodles or, you know, I was already in the hole, Yeah, you know, opening up a business anyway. So what's another couple of they months? They should be coming in there salary? like swinging, like loving you. Well, they're sweet girls. They're so cute. They're young. They have a lot more energy than me, but they're good. So far it's been so good, but it's been um, probably the worst time in the world to open a business in the mm-hmm. middle of a, of a pandemic. Yes. But, um, and then of course the riots on top of that, but yeah. Um, so as far as the original question was just employees. Yeah. Just thinking about, you know, I think we all have different situations. I know for us, we transitioned all of our in-studio classes to zoom classes. Um, so I was able to keep a lot of my, um, everyone that works for me is 1099, but I was able to keep all of them like engaged on some level. Um, and granted, it wasn't what they were used to when they were teaching full studio classes and we had two locations and, you know, but that was people had, when we first started Zoom, I mean, we were getting like almost like a hundred people on there, which is insane. Um, so it was great for us, but I've found for me, and I think kind of just to something that Aaron was saying, it's like, it gives people a pause to like some of the people that you like 
love so much, um, a time to be like, maybe this isn't what I need to be doing anymore. Right. You can come mm-hmm. back anytime, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, and I support that. Like that's, I get it. Like things change, things shift, people's hearts change and stuff like that. But it, I felt like we had this like ball rolling, you know, and being a younger business than both of y'all, um, it seemed like we were just like gangbusters. And I was like, next stop Mount Pleasant. And then where are we going to go from there? Mm-hmm, you know? And it mm-hmm. just changes the whole trajectory of what that looks like. And, um, I know, you know, you know, 50% of our economy is small businesses. And it's really scary to think that if we all don't make it, like what that looks like in so many different places from, you know, the server to the cook, to the busboy to the person paying the rent. I mean, it's just, there's so many people that are affected. And I, I find that, that people that aren't in this type of an industry don't really understand it. And probably because it's not like the most exciting thing to talk about. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I think it's important and it's crucial to understand if we want to survive and come out of this. Um, so one of the things I wanted to talk about since I know it's going to be different, you know, person to person is, uh, or business to business is, and we'll just start with Aaron, but, um, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, but like, how has it affected your business? Like with your sales, your food, your alcohol sales, all the things that usually drive, you guys to be successful? Yeah. So, um, we're lucky enough to have, um, some good outdoor space at, at, uh, at most of, at all of our restaurants really. Um, and so we were able to, um, kind of get our, um, capacity, you know, with the 50%, uh, um, rule inside and and outdoors, we were able to get a decent number. What of is seats. the rule? I don't know the rule for restaurants. So it's fifty percent capacity inside. Okay. Um, and so um, you know we really don't need to pay attention to that because we just pay attention to spacing and it gets us way out of even being in that ball game. Mm-hmm. So we started with with spacing um, and trying to make because we knew we had we had a big mountain to climb with not only our customers, but with our employees also, everybody needs to feel safe. So, um, you know, we started out with that and, um, you know, we just would take anything that we could get. So, you know, right then and there you're, you're designing restaurants, um, to a point where there's, there's no way that they're going to get the sales that they did before. And um, you mean like servers or or just restaurants in general? Just restaurants yeah, yeah. in jail in general. You're not going to get. I mean, if you if you reduce your seating capacity, you know, obviously you're not going to be able to. Even if people are coming to see you, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to do the sales you were before. Um, with our restaurants, you know, uh, we're also really dependent on kind of standing room only sales. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people love to come to our restaurants and watch a football game or watch some live music or mm-hmm. hang out with their friends. And, you know, tables are not <laughs> like a, are not always adhered to. <laughs> we right. don't have people sitting at tables yeah, all like, the time. It's like body to body if you've never been in a home team. Right. And that's like the culture and the vibe and it's fun. Yeah. It's, um, and, um, you know, it, it, that's the truth. People come, come to home team. They go to Sullivan's Island to be elbow to elbow, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, I, I can't do that myself, but right. I'm glad people like to do it. Um, um, but it's, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of the way it is and people love to hang out. So, you know, and, and with us, um, you know, we've been able to do fairly close to the food numbers. So we're not doing any of the catering stuff. We have a, a really, you know, big catering operation and it's just, you know, kind of somewhat dead in the water, but, um, you know, with, with the in-house food stuff and to-go food stuff, we've been able to do a decent amount of food sales, pretty close to what we did last year. It's been really difficult because 
a lot of it's to go. Um, and there's more emphasis on the food business. And so our people have been getting crushed. Like, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's a good thing. Uh, I, I mean, it's a good thing that we're getting those, those, those strong to go sales and whatnot, but it's been, it's been difficult to navigate, you know, just even with us, we're, we're, we're a pretty to go driven restaurant. We mm-hmm. always do did to go, but it doesn't, it's still been hard for us. So I really feel for the people that have had to adjust their business to include to go and then still trying to to do food um, in-house and make sure that those tables are happy and they're getting their food on time. Mm-hmm. The biggest way it's uh, affected us is that and also the fact that, um, you know, we don't have that standing room only crowd. We don't have that burger crowd. We've been, we've been closing at 10 o'clock, even before the governor put in the 11 o'clock no, no Which alcohol I sales. I want to talk to you about too. Yeah. Alcohol sales after 11 o'clock, we've been closing at 10 o'clock. Um, and we, we started closing at 9 originally. So, you know, our hours are limited. Um, and so, and then, you know, you... You know, quite frankly, you do, um, you know, alcohol sales is a better um, cost percentage. Um, so it drives down, you know, food costs can be expensive and mm-hmm. um, and, it co- and there's a lot more labor involved in producing food than there is, you know, say, you know, opening a beer or pouring a glass of wine or making mm-hmm. a drink or pulling the hand on the game changer yeah. machine. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> Which is like money. So that's really where it's uh, affected us um, um, from a sales standpoint. Hey, you guys, I am so excited to be partnering with Butcher and Bee on their new concept for a farm box. So as you know, we live in a town and we're in a time right now in our country, in our world, where we need to support each other locally. Uh, The people that are being hit the hardest, farmers, bakers, local coffee roasters. Um, I mean, you know, I got a shout out to my boutique fitness people as well that are locals. But what they're doing as a team They're doing a weekly provisions box. It is filled to the brim with local fruits, veggies, milks, cheeses, sauces, spices, and more. You can think of it like the ultimate CSA box. COVID has been a really, really hard time for restaurants, but it's also been a time for them to reflect on what matters the most. To Butcher and Bee, what matters is feeding people and sourcing ingredients from nearby farms and local businesses. There's actually two options as well. You can do a $100 option for just the fruit in the veggie bag, And the $200 crate includes rotating pantry items of Charleston favorites like red clay hot sauce, which is amazing. We keep a bottle at the studio and put it on literally everything. Uh, Bulls Bay sea salt, Springbok coffee, and so much more. Now, like I said, really is the time to support your local restaurants and your local farmers. If you're in Charleston, you can order a box by emailing catering at butcherandbee.com or head over to their Instagram at butcherandbee to learn more. With free delivery within the peninsula and ability to start and stop anytime, and that's what we love about it, right? There's no pressure, so maybe you get a box and like the week later you're going out of town, you can do this weekly. Plus, if you mention that you heard about this through our podcast, you get 10% off your first order. That's pretty awesome. So reach out to them, catering at butcherandbee.com and jump on that list. I know like with to go, some people have this idea that because they weren't actually served, they don't necessarily have to tip. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the etiquette of tipping on to go orders. Cause it really, (laughs) when I, I mean, and I'm like, I see people like picking up to goes and I'm like, oh my gosh, like you got to tip them. Right. And people, do some people just not tip at all? You know, I haven't seen everything. I know that, um, uh, that a lot of people, um, when we first started to open, 
you know, when we first opened for to go, a lot of people were, were tipping very well. Yeah. I mean, I know Good. I did when I ordered to go. Um, and I know, um, a lot of people did, mm-hmm. you know, did that and I don't know how, how it's going right now. I mean, that's always been a question in our business. I mean, it's, I think if, you know, everybody, okay, 15%, 20% for whatever it may be, you know, 20%, 18% for, for, um, for when you're seated at a table and that's there, but nobody really ever talks about a, a, a common percentage for to-go's. And even though there's a lot of work that goes into it. Um, Where who does that money go to? The bartenders or just? It goes to the front of the house staff. It just okay. depends on how your, how your tips are set up. Um, whether you've got a tip pooling system. A lot of people do that these days, um, have a tip pooling. So everybody gets, has a point and it all goes into one, one kitty. And then depending on what your point level is, um, whether you're server or bartender, got it. SA expo, that sort of thing, you get a certain, they add up all the points and divide it in it, you know, and you get a certain amount. So that's kind of, that's kind of the, the tip pooling way. And then other times you have people that are, you know, you have people responsible for answering the phones and packing orders that right. specifically responsible for, for it to go. And of course, back house people can't get tipped. It's against labor laws. Okay. Um, unless, unless you share the tips between everybody. Which yeah. Is, but, um, so I think, you know, with, with to go orders, you know, it's, it's always nice to tip what you can. Um, there's not really a, a, you know, a straight up number that people go by, but, um, certainly going to like guess, Certainly these days, it's just, you know, if, you know, there's a lot more people that are not dining out and they're purposely not dining out um, and they're getting to go. And I think if you can tip, um, you know, if you can tip well, that's good. But I, I'd say, you know, like on a $50 order, you know, I tip 10 bucks. Yeah. You know, I mean, there should be 10. new COVID tipping rules. Mm-hmm. That's right. I mean, you know, for sure. I yeah, agree. right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, Listen, I mean, uh, we all know the debates about tipping within restaurants when you're sitting down and whatnot. To go stuff is is definitely it's it's definitely a challenge, um, and 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 um, and it's a, it's a service that we all that a lot of us um, provide, and um, you know, it's just kind of what you f- feel like is is necessary. Yeah. You know, so I don't have a straight answer on that. But okay. Tip what you can. Tip your servers, people. You can tip your <laughs> yoga teachers and your shoe sales people as well. Okay, everybody yeah. takes tips. <laughs> Um, okay. So Catherine, I know, um, just from working with Carter, who does work with you as well, that mm-hmm. one of the things you guys did to adjust was you created a new website. Yes. And that so, was huge. Yeah. So it's a big take. Um, that's like a big undertaking. That was huge. I, I jokingly say, but I kind of mean it. I think I could have easier become a physician than <laughs> put, a, put a store online, but Carter calls me up and, you know, got to keep pivoting. Mm-hmm. And so one thing was, and we had talked, we've talked about it. We've talked about it and it was like, okay, well, one, uh, we talked about it last during the holidays, I was like, okay, when I get this store open in Savannah, then we're going to, you know, it was always after something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it was time. And so kudos to Carter. She, like, really pushed me. And um, and also um, Sarah Rossi, who is lives in Charleston, has a um, bow and row um, store. So shout out to Sarah. She built the website. Carter found amazing photographer, Kirk Roberts, and helped behind the scenes do all that where I was um the thing the hardest part about so so in from the get-go it was a it was a great success and in a lot of ways saved us through those months so Um, people were going to the website clearly were going to the website and they were ordering and it was fabulous and now what we've what we're um you know we're running up against now is our inventory's down so 
And, you know, that gets into the whole world of shoes and shipments and all our deliveries have been delayed and Mm -hmm. because shipments from, you know, overseas are delayed. It just goes on and on and on. Um, But the website has been just a fabulous addition to the store. It's kind of like having a third store Mm -hmm. in some ways. And there were a lot of of adjustments we had to make. Um, The biggest thing... Did you do a new POS system? The biggest thing we did was, and I resisted and I resisted, and Sarah and Carter were so patient, they just listened to me, and I think the whole time knowing that I was going to change my POS system. (laughs) So we did, and we're still learning. We're still learning it and having, you know two-hour waits on the phone to get somebody at Shopify to answer a question. Mm-hmm. Um, Shopify, what, what? one thing I did find out is Shopify was made, you know, and, and I even had some Shopify experts tell me, you know, this did start as an online platform. I was like, I know, but you touted it as something that can, you know, also be a brick and mortar, you know, easily. Right. Work into your brick and mortar POS. Well, it was, um, it wasn't as, that, what, that part wasn't as seamless as a, had hoped it would be, but we're getting there. And the good news is that we really like it. Mm-hmm. All of my employees like it. It's so much easier. And some certain things about it that were very COVID friendly is the um, tap and chip card reader. We know we we had the old one where you had to punch it in, tear the paper, and sign, and all of that is um, what do you call it? It's not hands free, but it's yeah. um, contactless checkout, and it's great. So some things were. Um, worked to our advantage for the times that we're in. Um, so the the biggest thing was switching the POS and the, getting all the inventory moved from one POS system to the other. That wasn't so seamless, but it worked well. And um, Carter and Sarah did an amazing job. And I always have to say my team was um, very supportive of it, of of. The, the change and if there was ever a time to do it it was certainly yeah. um, while we were closed to customers and um so it all wor- it worked out worked out it's worked out good we're still um, yeah talk to us about out. like what you were saying because i have a friend who owns a store on um king street as well hamden clothing and she's just i know her inventory is completely different than yours um in the sense like i think the volume of product and different product right she's talked a lot about how things like the shipment on things or having to cancel orders or just you know has that affected right so the first thing we did when um we realized we were going to have to actually close our doors to customers we're we're at that point we're brick and mortar stores we're you know our sales are driven driven by customers coming in our door Mm -hmm. so that wasn't going to happen we started the curbside delivery and all that sort of stuff but so one of the first things we did was my manager down who here who is awesome and um my bookkeeper um in augusta we sat down and we looked at all of our um incoming orders and we looked at what we might need to cancel what we might need to push out um and then we contacted all of our um vendors to try to get extended terms most of them are are net 30 some Mm -hmm. are net 60 a few or few exceptions are even better than that but um for the most part so we and I have to say everybody in the shoe business and I have talked to a clothing store at Surrey Center Augustine and I'm not sure it was quite the same in the clothing business but in the shoe business our vendors were so amenable to 
giving us extended terms, working with us, giving us a, a you know, well, we can give you a 5% discount and we'll give you net 60. And mm-hmm. we'll do. So that has, that has been a huge help. We did have to cancel shoes. We're like, we, when we looked at the big picture site, we can't, we can't take in all these shoes because of course our sales are, are going down. Right. And then for, and we'd already made, we buy our shoes six months in advance. So we already had our fall wall and we put a picture in the back of our store of every shoe that we bought up on this big wall. And it's been like leaves falling off the tree <laughs> of things getting canceled. And we look at the wall and we're like, Oh, and are they canceling or you're canceling or both? They're canceling right now. Yeah. And then, and, and there were a few that we canceled. Um, the other thing in the shoe business is totally driven by the, the vendors is they want to deliver, um, tall suede booties in June. Yeah, and we're like we're in we're in Augusta and Charleston. We can't, you know. Yeah, you're even in in the, best the northern the states. They, um, they don't. You're not selling those then. So that's been some things that we just immediately said cancel, cancel, cancel. Yeah, and um, it's it's so we've probably dropped or they've dropped or we've dropped um about I would say from our fall orders probably about twenty twenty five percent. Have have dropped, which actually is a very good thing because we're not seeing the sales right now to drive that right. business. We need to cut back a little bit right. on the inventory we take in, and then hopefully things will build back up. And I I can relate to that just like the number of classes I have on my schedule right now too. Just in the sense that you know, kind of one of the things I wanted to touch on is like the trickle down effect. You know, mm-hmm. from like your vendors to the people producing food to the people that are coming into the studio. You know, it's like everything has just been cut so much that everybody that's part of a, some sort of a, a local or a community driven um, business is experiencing it. Um, and one thing I was I've been reading a little bit about, but you can probably speak more to it, Erin. Is just like like farmers, people that produce all of your... Like, what did they do when everything was closed down? So they raised money um, and put it all into a kitty, and then they were able to buy food from, um, you know, from these farmers, you know, like $10 bags of food and stuff like that, and distribute them, uh, those bags of food, to F&B employees um, that were out of work and things like that. Um, You know, I mean, you hear about people throwing away stuff. I mean, you hear about farmers throwing away stuff. Uh, you know, thankfully, you know, I mean, everybody needed food. So if they weren't buying it for restaurants, if restaurants weren't buying the food, then grocery stores were. Um, so I think, um, you know, it, it, I think it was, it was an issue. Um, but uh, I think that the, for the most part, I mean, you know, food is a resource that everybody needed. So I think that yeah, it started it okay. to go through. I mean, I was, there were definitely some folks that were. I remember at the beginning, I talked a lot with Grow Food, um, which is um, a local hub for for um, for local farmers to to sell their sell their products um, in, in Charleston. And um, I talked with those guys. I share an office with those guys, and they were very concerned about where where the food was going to go. And um, I think that um, you know they helped in in making sure that some of that food got distributed and. Um, that, you know, I'm, I'm sure that they had to slash prices on a lot of stuff and do things that mm-hmm. they normally wouldn't do, but, um, you know, get, get rid of things that cost and things like that. So, um, but, uh, you know, our supply lines have been, you know, wavering a good bit, um, throughout this whole process. Um, we haven't been affected as much as some other folks, but, you know, we've seen things, you know, paper goods and food, and, um, you know, even, you know, obviously the masks and, mm-hmm. and sanitation products and things like that. Yeah, supply we lines pressing. have been yeah. 
real um, inefficient, um, and I mean, uh, just not uh, not consistent. So yeah, and I think you know one thing that Catherine and I have the uh, ability to do is like do stuff online. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I was reading about too is that like the biggest industry that's hit, it seems like through our country, I don't know about the world, but is restaurants. Mm-hmm. And so like what, and this might be such a big question to ask, but like, what do you see helping? You mentioned the PPP loan. Um, mm-hmm. Could you just tell our listeners what that is for those people that don't know what it is? Yeah. So the PPP loan is the Paycheck Protection Program. And um, what it did is basically you came up with a... Um, uh, uh, basically a number through, uh, you know, your average payroll, uh, you got your average payroll and then they did two and a half times, um, uh, a monthly payroll. So basically if your monthly pay was payroll was a hundred thousand dollars, they'd give you 250. Um, and so we went through and did all of that for, for each one of our restaurants, five restaurants, and then our management company as well, which is what pays all of our managers and our administration team. Um, and so we got six PPP loans, um, so that was, you know, like Catherine said, no, there was a big period where nobody knew what the heck they were, what it was going to look like, a huge discovery period. And then, you know, once you were able to start applying for them, there was, there were zero answers on. <laughs> it felt like, so, it was like nervous. Awful. I had like people yeah. applying for me all different places. And I mean, you know, uh, we, we, we talk about pivoting, um, you know, pivoting in our businesses and whatnot, but there's been a pivot process. I don't. I don't like the word anymore either. Um, and, uh, but it's it really ha- it's really the the only word for it. It's like you know one second you know you're you're pivoting towards closing. The next second you're pivoting towards what you're going to do in regards to that. Next second you're 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 uh, pivoting towards the PPP loans. Then you're pivoting towards how you're going to handle the PPP loans, and you know pivoting towards. Um, what what the actual details of the PPP, and then how how you're going to spend it, and then when, and then you know how long, and then then you know it's it seemed like every time you 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 got a handle on something, um, there was something else that you just had zero handle on, and then once it was you know once we got through all that and you started to open back up and you have some comfort level, then the actual situation of having COVID cases within your organization, how to handle those. Um, you know, so it was just, it's just one, and that has been where we've been for the last, now we're starting to pivot back towards, okay, what's going to happen when this PPP runs out? Because the PPP basically gives you payroll. So you can pay payroll for a certain amount of time and you can operate your business. This is how we were able to operate. And then with a to-go business, because normally we wouldn't have, it wouldn't have made any sense for us to open up to go because when we open up to go, everybody else was already opening up for outdoor, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for outdoor dining. And so it was this, you know, there was a lot more competition. I think some of the people that opened for to go, uh, the period before we were able to open outdoor dining, they did okay. But so you're faced with these really low sales numbers that normally would not work at all and you'd lose money. Um, but PPP allowed us to pay for our labor so we could have, you know, all this labor in one day because it took so much more labor to do what we we're doing um, and and still put some money in the bank. Yep. Um, and so now everybody's at a point where, you know, and uh, you know their PPP money is starting to run out if they've been spending it. It's getting close to run out. So we, I've been saying it over and over and over again. This is like the time when the rubber meets the road because now you've got all these de-escalated sales and all of a sudden now you're going to be back to paying your labor 
and most everybody in the restaurant industry is it is costing more money. I mean, we had to pay people a ton of money to come back during the PPP process. I mean, we had to pay, you know, people like $35 an hour and stuff like that yeah. um, just to come back off, you know, people that were on unemployment. That's what I was going to say. Did you find that you had, uh, that people didn't want to come back because they were making more on unemployment? Or Yeah, and we don't know. Listen, I mean, listen, I, there are a bunch of people, I mean, I, I'm not sure what I'd do. I mean, uh, you know, if I had the choice of, of coming back and, and, and risking getting sick or dealing with the environment that I was in, I yep. mean, there are a lot of people, or, or, or you know, you're, you live with your folks. I mean, that, that's the thing about it is I don't think people really think about all the situations that people are in. They're like, oh, just go back to work. What's the yeah, problem? Yeah, yeah. And I'm one of those people. I just I try to see every side of it, and I get it. And I've been upset about unemployment at certain, po- certain points, but the fact is that there are plenty of people that are sitting this out for really good reasons. I mean, you can't come back and work in a restaurant when you live with your grandparents. Yeah, 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 totally. Or, 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 or your kid, you got to leave your kids every day to go to work and your parents got to take care of them and your parents are high risk. I mean, you have no idea what that feels like. And so, you know, I think that, you know, uh, at this point what's happening is is that, you know, I know a lot of restaurants are paying a lot more right now for labor just because they need more labor to execute what we need to execute, you know, all the sanitation procedures, the mm-hmm. fact that, you know, we've got a lot more people to manage at the front of a restaurant and seating people and making sure that that goes smoothly. So um, I think that right now is the really difficult time. So we're all pivoting back to, okay, what, what, where, where's the next round of help going to come from? Because if the next round of help doesn't come with lots of people with, with de-escalated sales, um, you know, they're just going to fold. Yeah. Because and what do you think the like not that you I mean like the trajectory for that is it's scary I mean just what's already happened in Charleston I mean most of you guys that are listening know um, that we live in Charleston or if you don't it we're so much of our of our livelihoods a lot of us is driven by tourism right and that has also been I think part of the problem and why we are like now number one in our state and like number three in the world I think for Mm -hmm. cases which is like scary and sad and um but it's like and I think I I feel like I keep reiterating this but I it just like for me to think about it and to it's like there's so many different layers and so many different pieces that go into like making something successful that I I sat down with my landlords over at my downtown location um and they've been really really wonderful and I was like you know when I signed these leases I expected to put 58 people in that room every class and I that will not probably happen for years yeah. Um, and they were wonderful and they were like, well, we don't want to see you close. You know, what, what are you looking at? And capacity wise, I'm looking at, I'm doing a 13, I'm at 13% capacity mm-hmm. where usually what's really good for my industry is about a 70, like anywhere from like 63 to 72. And we have been blessed to be anywhere from like 78 to 80%, which is mm-hmm. great. But you know, even like the people that are heavy hitters, like the people who always sold their classes out, they can't put all those people in their room now, just like you can't put in your restaurant, you know, and you're not selling that same volume. And I think that's where, that's where my fear, like I've, I'm a pretty calm person about a lot of things. I just roll and I've been lucky to be successful in that way. But that's what makes me nervous is now what, right? right. So what if we close again? And then what are we going to do, you know? And, and, and how many people, every time we close, like people are like, well, maybe now I'll try something else. You know, right. maybe I won't like, if you're in this like yeah. rhythm, like every Tuesday night, I meet all my friends at home team, we're going to go have some beers. And then like, you don't see those friends for 
four months, then, you know, I don't know. And I'm not trying to sound like doom and gloom, but I mean, it, this is reality at this point. Well, you make a good point in that, you know, <laughs> in regards to your business model and mm-hmm. like everybody, you know, all these bars on King street, you know, um, they signed leases that were expensive. Um, and they signed them based on the environment that they were going to be able to do what, at least do what they're, you know, they had the, they knew if they failed, it was because they couldn't get people in their doors. Right. Not because a law says that they can't have people in their doors Correct. Or, they're, or they're limited to 50% capacity. So you have these people that look, I, I signed a lease and I created this space and I worked hard to do this. Um, and now basically the government is saying, you know, you can only have 50% of the, that number of people in a time or you can't sell alcohol after 11 o'clock. And so your business model is defunct. So what and, do you think about that too? Well, you know, we talked about this and I mean, it's, you know, I, it makes sense. Like I, I, I get it. I mean, I, I get it that, that, that it's like, um, you know, I, I was uh, having a conversation on, uh, with the mayor's office at some point. It's like, we've got to do something. And I agree with that. We, you know, we've got to do something. You can't just sit here and watch all this go on and realize where it ends up, um, and not do something. Um, so, uh, it's, it's really tough situation. I understand why, I mean, you know, you take bars, for example. I mean, you know, uh, we are seeing a lot of footage and accounts of, of, of bars just not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're also having a hard time controlling their clientele mm-hmm. on their younger clientele. And so it's all this one big formula for kind of a disaster. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so you understand why government looks at an, uh, you know, a, a part of an industry like that and says, look, we can't do this anymore. It's, it's going to kind of keep making things worse. But on the other hand, what's going to happen to that industry? And I think that's the biggest problem right now that I'm seeing is that I think everybody wants to follow the rules. They understand what's right and wrong and, and what's the best thing for, for, for people in a society. But if you're, you're forced to make a choice between, you know, I'm looking here, I'm okay. I'm a bar owner and I'm basically going to have to close down or I'm going to have to let a few more people in my place or let them roam around a little bit and just bend the rules some. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't, I can't, I can't. And you and I have talked about this. I yeah. can't make that decision. I'm not in that person's position. Then again, I think that we talked about this the other day. It's about putting yourself in somebody else's shoes in every situation and trying to understand what they're going through. So while I don't necessarily agree at some of the things that bars have done, I think a lot of bars have tried to do the right thing and maybe they've been successful or maybe they haven't. But some of these folks have tried those models and they, it didn't work, mm-hmm. and they're going to go out of business. So they go into this, and so I think that the issue is, the issue is, is that when and sometimes government doesn't have the ability to do this. I mean, talk, city of Charleston, they'll tell you the same thing. But when you come out with an ordinance or or or, or a, something that's going to hamper a business, you know, you got to be saying, okay, but this is how I'm going to help you. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're going to work together to figure out something or some way to help these people. So, so that so it becomes a partnership as opposed to this. You know, it's almost like you know the governor comes out and says, you know, bars got to close at eleven o'clock or no alcohol sales, which is basically saying that they got to close at mm-hmm. eleven o'clock. And it's just like drop the mic. Right. You know, <laughs> just drop the mic. He's like, okay, you just you, you know these like bar owners aren't as as a group they aren't bad. You no. know, and nobody, you know, like these industries, they're not bad people, you know? And so, and, and almost when you read these articles about this situation, it's like, 
un- borrowing, you, you know, like dismissing the idea that these people are actual business owners that employ people yep. that have worked hard to get to where they get, no matter what they're doing, whether they're, you know, it's a gym or a shoe store or, or, or a bar. And so I think that the government has to understand is when they place ordinances and laws on people that, that there's got to be some reciprocation there. If you expect reciprocation from, from the people that you put the laws on. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's what we're up against right now. I mean, people are fighting for their livelihoods and that's really like, we talked about this too. When, when you talk about liberty, that is the issue. You know, it's when you cannot do the job that you signed up to do um, because of a law that has been put on you. Mm-hmm. It's not that you can't go to the Sullivan's Island beach you know, or you can't go to a park. I mean, all these people are screaming about their liberties that they can't go to the beach, they can't go to the park. No, no, no. Be cool. Chill out. Mm-hmm. Hang out in your yard. Find an open space. You know, don't use your energy to talk about the people that that are not able to do their jobs. And I, I you know, it's it's a, the toughest choice that we have in front of us. The toughest issue that we have in front of us is because it's happening again. People are starting to close down. And people are going, I can't, I can't do my job. Mm-hmm. I can't put food on my table because you're telling me that there's this law now that I can't, I can't do this or that. And that, that is the real issue that we face, mm-hmm. I believe. And the problem that is, is really rearing its head and making people angry. Is, so. so what, and so you, this, I mean, not that there's like a, a hard solution, but just like for them to come out and say that and then maybe have something, some way to back it up. But here's what we're going to do to help you with that. Yeah, at least, at least, you know, at least as a, as, as, as a leader and an administrator saying, you know, I mean, I always equate it to, to, to a policy. Like when I come up with a policy at work for a blanket policy or something for my employees, I just want to come out and say, Hey, here's the policy. See y'all later. Yeah. (laughs) That doesn't work. You got to come out and you got to talk about your policy and talk about why you made your policy and how it affects every single one of you. And we realize that it's going to affect you adversely to some degree, but this is why we're doing it. And this is what we're going to do to kind of, you know, solve the situation or, or at least that we're going to work towards something. And I realize that, that, that a lot of people are hitting dead ends. I mean, city of Charleston is, is in a lot of trouble from a money standpoint, uh, and most municipalities are. So they don't have the, really the ability to help. But, that, you know, the, the biggest key is I think that everybody wants to do the right thing to one degree, uh, to some degree, and you, we, we as a society have to be able to give them the ability to make that decision. PPP gave us the ability to make some choices that I would never have, well, no, I won't say I never made. It was easier to make choices. Closing. I mean, you know, trying to give our, our, our people a rest, uh, you know, trying to, um, you know, closing um, because of, 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 uh, of COVID cases. I mean, you've seen it across the board in restaurants. All these restaurants have had to close mm-hmm. for certain periods of time, trying to figure out what to do. Um, you know, the, the fact that we had something to fall back on um, in regards to that really, really, really helped us. And like I said, I think the rubber was meeting the road with a lot of people. And they would just be like, you know, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't close um, just randomly on these days. People find it inconsistent. It's harder, hard enough to get people in in the first place. Totally. How are you going to, how are you going to, you know, I mean, think about a place like Columbia. Columbia has been our hardest hit as far as um, just, you know, not because of positive COVID tests, just tracing, um, call outs, all the things, trying to do, be aggressive about keeping people out 
so that it doesn't spread and being careful about it. And that has really punished us as, um, you know, as a restaurant, as a group, you know, restaurants in general trying to stay safe because what happens is, is, you know, you close a Monday and Tuesday and people come by, you're not open. Then they're like next Monday, they're like, Oh, I wonder where they're open. Ah, I'm just going to go down the street. Yep. And so it's, it, it's, it's, it's tough on all levels in that regard. And, um, and so I think, again, everybody's just trying to do the right thing. There wasn't a, there wasn't a playbook for it at all. Um, it was a hard, we had a hard time getting answers. And I think now it's just like people have got to realize that these people in leadership roles have got to realize that they've got to be more responsible about the way they're dealing with things and talking about things and understanding things as opposed to just which way the wind blows. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's doing it or he's telling me to do it. So I'm going to do it, mm-hmm. you know, and that's irresponsible yeah. as a leader. I mean, you know, we need better leadership right now. Um, you know, whether it's on a local level, preach on Aaron, I'm sorry, you know, <laughs> you can put a mic in front of my face. I mean, I just been yelling on my couch for three months and you're welcome, Darby. I'll take him for an hour. <laughs> just to, um, just to pivot really quickly. Um, so for you, for your industry, Catherine, have you like, you know, you talked about how great the, the website was and how you were able to hand shoes out and things like that. Do you feel that if they were going to close stores again, that would be, that would hurt y'all? Or do you feel like you're in a place? It's just so interesting to hear about Aaron's industry and your industry. It's very and interesting. Mine. And mine. It's so. said all along, I, I really feel, well, there in my, in, where I am in Augusta, my back door backs up to a restaurant and there are four or five restaurants in Surrey Center. And the whole time I've been like, I just really feel for the people that are in the bar and restaurant in, industry mm-hmm. because, it, I mean, we've been able to, have some sales. I mean, our, 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 I mean, we're not, we're not doing great. I don't want to put that illusion out there, but we're doing okay. Right. Same. But I just can't, I, I, I can't imagine I being know. in the bar or restaurant industry. And, um, anyway, I, for us, we, we have limited capacity that we can have in our store too. So it's 10 people per thousand square feet. So we are having to, and we do it, we do it all day. We do it every day. Um, on a good day, because that means there are too many people in the store and we have to lock the door to keep other people out. We we like doing that. But that you find people are shopping. Business. People are shopping. People are people are shopping, but they're shopping, but not it's just not near the numbers. I would say Augusta a little bit more than Charleston. Charleston was actually doing really, really well, or coming back, in my opinion. Well, until the um, until the riots mm-hmm. hit, and that just sort of sucked the wind and the air out of everything, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. On King Street, I'm yeah. talking about King Street. Right. Um, it 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 was it was a palpable change mm-hmm. in if you walked outside on King Street. And um, the Saturday before the riots, we had a our sales were really kind of back up to a normal, booming, pretty robust Saturday. The riots hit, and we have we are we're suffering. It's, yeah, it's terrible. Um, I think a lot of King Street businesses are having a a really hard season. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean it was hard anyway. So the riots didn't help right. here, and um, we we got the PPP loans as well, and um, we're so happy we got them. And it sounds for for us. We're we're done. We've used that money. It's gone um, because we didn't close. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So we're looking, so what that sort of did for us, it sounds like it sort of helped you reopen and pay your employees for us. It let us sort of stay open, get by, and it's going to allow us to pay some of our bills that are going to be coming in this month because July is really, Mm -hmm. we're down. Yeah. We were, we were, we were okay May and June. July is just July is not a good month. I said the J months in in the shoe business anyway are mm-hmm. are sort of your down months. Yeah. Um. And so June and July are usually pretty bad, but this has been this July so far not so good with this July. But yeah. But you know, yeah, you just gotta keep rolling with the punches. I mean, what do you do? What are you I gonna know. do? We I don't was... want to close, but there are shoe stores, there are independent shoe stores closing. Um, when I just had this meeting this morning with a shoe rep, so we're not having shoe shows, mm-hmm. so that's a whole other thing. Um, so we're and it's buying, like those people have jobs too. We're that buying now they don't for have. next spring, and yeah, right. It it's just, such it a just, trickle down. It goes, yeah. It just it boggles the mind to think about it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, no. So sorry. <laughs> this is so uplifting, Sarah. Oh my I'm God, so we're glad some you wine. about this podcast. <laughs> Next time we get on here together, guys, we'll talk about some fun shit. Um, but you know, it it is such a like a I it is a big picture thing. And I was like today, Carter and um, Lindsay, who's our producer, we were joking ish about like how we're kind of like not to make light of it but like feel like I have a split personality like some days I'm like okay I got this I'm gonna do this like I'm jamming and then some days I'm like why am I doing this you know what am I doing and and you know one thing you said at the beginning Catherine was like when you you know when you when you weren't loving it anymore you were gonna move on Mm -hmm. and I think that's you know a lot of us that start these small businesses we have a passion and we want to put into it and like one of the things for me is I love teaching that room when there are mm-hmm. 60 people in there when I'm like we can get one more mat and people are like there's no way and I'm like part the seas you know mm-hmm. and that that yes it drives numbers yes it affords me to be able to pay for my expensive rents and my staff but it also is like why I do it. Yeah. And it's like, it's like this, the room is like, it's such a saving grace for so many people. And I mean, for myself too, like almost selfishly, every time I walk in there, it's like freaking, you know, baptism by sweat. And it's, it's, I guess this has just brought up so many things for me. Like, you know, will things ever look the same? Probably not for a long time. And how does like, (laughs) I'm not like asking questions to the world. Like, how does that work? Like, does everything just rents just drop and then you know I don't know how that works I guess that's what a recession is yeah. yeah I don't know I don't think anybody I think that's the whole thing and it's been the whole thing with COVID is nobody knows nobody knows everything about about COVID itself nobody knows right. how it's affecting everything mm-hmm. I was thinking the other day um pre-COVID it has sort of gotten very commonplace to say you do you you know mm-hmm. you do you right Everybody's, you right. know, into yeah. themselves, and, and I really think it's time. It's for us to do us. Mm-hmm. Right. We've got to come together mm-hmm. and rebuild. Yeah. I think yeah. That, that's a good point, though. The the conditions, like, if you have a, you know, a downturn in the economy, a recession, or something like that, that the conditions are pretty obvious. What's happening? You know, if you have a, a natural disaster, a hurricane, or something like that. You, you know, the conditions are obvious. You know, it's it's you see what's going on. You, you kind of know what you need to do. Um, it might be it might not be good, but we're 
sitting here sort of sort of going, okay, let's just tread water until whatever happens happens, but we don't know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that's, that's the big difference between, um, you know, the adversity that people have faced before in business that they're facing right now is that you just don't know. And you hate to think like, I mean, I hate it when we were texting the other day, you know, will, will restaurants and, and will my room, will your restaurant ever look the same, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, you know, to think that it won't um, is somewhere I just don't want to go in my head. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's more about, I mean, being positive about things is, is certainly important. I wake up the same way you do some days, you know, it's usually you wake up pretty good and, you know, then the day beats you up mm-hmm. and whatever. You just got <laughs> yeah. to put your damn helmet on. And, um, but you know, you gotta, I haven't gotten to a place yet where I'm just like, no, this isn't going to ever look the same. It's just like, just keep pounding away, keep trying to, um, to tread water. And, um, what, you know, what worries me is that what are we going to do to, to, to kind of turn this thing around? Um, and you just, uh, you got to have hope for it, but I mean, you know, so, I mean, that's, that's the, that's the positive way to look at things. Just kind of like, you know, just keep pounding and keep trying to, um, you know, um, invigorate your people and, um, you know, give them energy and, and, uh, you know, um, you know, I mean, for you, I mean, the, the Zoom classes have been amazing. And I know a lot of people depended on them because mm-hmm. they needed it. And there was, you know, even before you were able to open back up, they, they had to have it. And if yeah. it wasn't there, you know, if it wasn't there, I mean, I know I'd be, a, you know, tub of lard right now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, just, uh, but, yeah. but, but it's not just the, it's not the physical thing. It's the mental thing totally. as well. I mean, we all need those, those that, that output. Mm-hmm. And so. You just got to kind of think of the positive things that have been able to be accomplished. I mean, I know, I mean, you know, you've been able to provide shoes for people that want shoes, you know, and we've been able to provide food and, and enter, you know, a, a space away from, from reality for folks, which is what restaurants have always done to some degree. And you've been able to provide a place where people can lose themselves and, 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 and exercise and stuff like that. So we just got to keep pushing, but it's so hard when you just don't know what, what's around the corner. I agree. Thanks for comparing, for equating shoes with fitness. And fitness. <laughs> shoes make people happy. Shoes make people I mean, very, my, very happy, especially shoes did. at your store. I my, love your my store. My feet would be really messed up if I didn't wash them. <laughs> um, and one last thing, and I know we got it. We're going to wrap this up um, soon, but um, something that I was, I think about because I know you have a staff, and you have a staff, and I have a staff. And there's so many different personalities on the staff. Um, mm. And I've found like, you know, some people are like, they're here for it. They're like, let's open, let's do it. You know, they're they're doing, going out, you know, maybe to the restaurant and doing this. And some people are still really fearful, which I respect and I understand. They, they aren't, you know, they don't want to come into the studio to teach. They don't, um, it really puts them off when they see people that are out doing things in public and all these things. And it puts me as, as like a leader and as a business owner kind of in like a tricky spot because there's only so many things I can tell like my, they're, you know, they're, like I said, they're 1099. I can't, you know, it's just, I don't know if y'all have dealt with any of that, like in like turmoil in your staff, like just with different people that are like, and I love all of them, you know, and I, and of course there's certain things I wish people would do, but like their contract and I can't tell people to shut their Instagram down or, you know, not <laughs> bartend a hundred people or whatever it is, you know? And I mean, I love all these people and some of the other people, you know, like what you were saying, it's like, I think we all have to make choices that support the 
a community socially, but we all ultimately are making our own decisions. And have y'all dealt with any of that or is that just me in the, in my hippie industry? Everybody's got an opinion and I'm open to all of them. (laughs) Probably just me. (laughs) Every day. I mean, you know, I mean, every day, I mean, that's, that's been the biggest challenge throughout this, this whole thing. I think since we've opened back up is, is trying to, um, you know, I mean, I, we can't do what we do without our employees. Um, if our employees aren't comfortable what they're doing, um, then we're, we can't staff our restaurants and we can't do what we do. So, um, you know, there's a certain level to um, some personal responsibility um, and that we've talked about in our, in our places. And, where, you know, obviously, you know, you, you can't control what people do outside of work. And, and, and right. That, so you can't say to your people, like, if you're going to work here, you can't do anything. Like, you can't go anywhere else. Well, we, I mean, we've talked about just, we've talked about it in the framework of being, being, you know, having a responsibility to the person next to you, which we always talk about, you know, um, you know, and that's just part of teamwork. It's like, look, everybody is here. Again, it goes back to what I said earlier about putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. You know, there's the, there's the 25 year old kid that, you know, is in, you know, just got a college and in between jobs or, you know, just mm-hmm. making money and having fun or whatever, whatever, whatever it is. And then you've got the person, the 25 year old kid next to him that has, two kids that lives with their mom is trying to help pay rent or, right. you know, whatever. And they have two different choices. And so we, we tried to, we tried to illustrate that in lineups and in meetings that, Hey, look, you know, we get it. Um, we get, you want to go out and have fun and, and go to a bar or do, you know, do whatever you're going to do, have 20 people over your house and have a house party or whatever it is. But you got to think about more than just yourself. You got to think about the person next to you because we're all trying to work and put money in the bank. And in order to do that, we just got to stay healthy. It's not about, you know, it's, you know, so, so that, and then, and then the different personalities, I mean, you know, there have been people that are more comfortable than others. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, Catherine, you know, you do you. And that's what we said is like, look, if, if you're not comfortable doing, doing this, you know, we're, we're trying to do everything we can within the boundaries of what we're doing to, to make you feel comfortable. If you don't, then, then, you know, it, you get to make that choice. Yep. And, and, and I've it, told my girls the same thing. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it can't, you can't really do anything more than that. I mean, if you're, if you're doing what's right as far as how you're, you know, you're conducting your business and the environment that you're putting your employees in, um, then they have to make the choice at some point, whether they're comfortable in that environment. And that's, that's it. But it's, it's really, 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 really difficult to watch and be a part of. Mm-hmm. It's probably the, the part that has, that has really burned us all to the core more than anything else is watching a valued employee who you love, who you respect, and just, you know, literally just lay their weapons down and go, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's just, you know, I told you the other day, but from our industry, our standpoint, it's just like, it is really hard because you just feel like a bit of a hypocrite in that, you know, even though we've got all these guidelines on us and these, and these, these, um, these rules about capacity and stuff like that, at the end of the day, you're still pe- putting people, the, the, it's about putting people at a table without mask on, eating and drinking mm-hmm. and close quarters. Mm-hmm. And so I can't, I can't say anything about anybody else's industry because my business is based on putting people together and eating and drinking mm-hmm. and, and talking and uh, at close quarters. And so it's just, it's really, really hard 
for the folks in our industry to to just even do their jobs and feel good about it. I hear you. And I and feel tough. like this too. Like I was talking to someone today. I was like, I feel like there's two people living inside of me. Like one person that's like, let's all go home, wear a mask, let's get through this shit. And the other person inside of me that's like, can we be smart? And can we, we have to like keep continuing business, you know? And mm-hmm. so I'm like, I, I, sometimes they're at war with each other, but I mean, this is, you know, we have to, it's, it's hard because it, it really does put so much on personal responsibility and like everyone's going to do what they're going to do. And it takes a few while, you know, I don't want to say while, it takes a few while people, <laughs> like it takes a few people <laughs> making decisions that maybe aren't the best for the current situation to really mess up the flow. And if, so let, like, just to kind of, to not to close this completely, but just if you had not like a words of wisdom, but something that you would say to someone who I'll start with Catherine, like someone that was going to say, well, I could shop with you, but I could also go like on shop and they have it like for 50% off and there's no way you could lower the shoes. I don't know if that's a good we would lower analogy. the you shoes. You would lower the we shoes. We would sell the shoes. And that's the other thing. So when we opened our web, or the online store, we opened up at half off. When we opened the store in Savannah, everything on sale. So everything's been, been on sale um, yeah. during COVID without local businesses and without local bars and restaurants and retail. Um, you really don't have a whole much of a community. I mean, mm-hmm. they are the things that sort of give it that you know, fun factor or whatever you want to call it. Um, so it's important. We don't want our local businesses to go away. We don't even want the national chains that are in here to go away. You, you, you want some, you want the vibrant city that you, that you once had. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be a while, I think, before we get back there. Our UPS driver down here says he hasn't seen King Street like this. I don't mean to be gloom and doom. No, it's, um, since, it's real. Um, right before, you know, the recession. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's going to take a minute, but um, we w- I will say this: thank you, thank you to all the shoppers out there that have supported us, mm-hmm. and and we do have people from um, Ohio, Illinois, Utah. We have people that travel to Charleston that I guess were on our email list mm-hmm. that have been supporting awesome. our online store. Um, and then, of course, um, a lot of local people. But if we, um, the thing in the shoe business before COVID, I mean, every time I picked up footwear news, um, it was, you know, the death of brick and mortar, the death of brick, brick and mortar is yeah. going down the two. So this e-commerce thing has only been accelerated by COVID for, for, for me, the retailer. Um, it's here to stay. People in their you know, stay at home mode have gotten used to buying much more than shoes online. They buy their, they'll buy, might buy their groceries or mm-hmm. this or that. So, um, we have to compete in that world and that's scary, but I think in the end, you know, there's always going to be a place for brick and mortar stores and, you know, for the next, for how long do we have to lock the door when we have, mm-hmm. you know, six people in the store and then when they leave, we let some more in and we're wearing masks. How long do we have to do that? We've adapted and it's, it's, it's working pretty well, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but I am thankful for the mask ordinances that have come out in 
Charleston and um, our mayor in Augusta enacted one last Friday at 6 p.m. So that question is sort of taken off the yes. table yeah. or, you know, gently saying to somebody, we have some mask here. Would you like one? You know, mm-hmm. um, so I think I think that's a good thing. I think if we're prudent and we do these things, it's the only way we can get back out there and get our people back to work and get the people in, back in the bars and restaurants and all the people who have lost their, you know, I know. who are or, who are suffering. But I, I know, I am very, I'm optimistic for, like for the future. I think we're, I think, you know, we're going to get there. Will it look different? Maybe. I hate the term new normal as much as I hate pivot. Um, but <laughs> no doubt. so, you know, what will it be? What is normal? Um, but. You said we have to have hope. Yeah. I think you know. I, I've almost every day during this thing, I've listened to um, who it's either Andra, Andra, I don't, Miss Andra Day, I don't the know. song "Rise Up." Oh yes, yes, and yes. So you know, you got to have. Hope. That's your pump up song. That's my pump up. I song love it every day, <laughs> and I'm in the middle of it. You know, you got to have hope, and yep. for that, we have each other. Yeah, and you know, so I take my strength in the employees that come to work every day and you and Carter and we're going to rise up. Yeah. We are. Yeah. I love that. That's my new pump up song now too. It's a good one. Yeah. It's a good one. It's a good one. I love it. Um, all right, Aaron, any closing remarks? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, our, our, I mean, our, our, our people have come out in droves to support us. I mean, you know, from from the standpoint of local business and 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 our supporters, they've been there for us every step of the way. From from um, you know helping us raise you know tens of thousands of dollars for our employees when they were out of work, um, to coming back and see us during a to go period. To how many uh, chicken wings did you sell that first day? Y'all sold out of them, right? Uh, when you yeah. first opened up? Yes. We, I don't remember how many we sold. We sold like 10,000 chicken wings. Good Lord. <laughs> Isn't that wild? I remember I counted out for you at one point. But um, no, it's just been, it, it's been great. I mean, people have, have supported us um, and been there for us. So, um, you know, as far as supporting local businesses, I agree with Catherine. I mean, local businesses are the character of a community. Um, and they're, you know, they're made up by, you know, the type of people that are sitting at this table, you know, and it's, uh, it's just, you know, people go out on a limb, um, they try to create something that, that people like and, um, you know, and, and, and it grows and, and, you know, that's, that's really the American dream. And so, um, you know, people should support local businesses and they should, you know, I mean, I, I, I've heard some of the things about, you know, the PPP loans and some of these chain stores and stuff like that. And, but, um, you know, like Catherine said, I mean, they're, they're, pe- they're local people that work at those national right. chain stores. Right. So let's not forget that and not generalize things. And, and like, you know, I think that if I'm, I got a whole lot to say, but I'm, I'm going to say, I, I, I'm <laughs> going to say. you might need a podcast. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, but uh, I'll come on yours. Okay. Um, uh, you know, I think that people do need to think, stop and think about generalizing, about trying to put everybody into a box and put them on one side or the other. You know, it's just, can we just think about everybody's position for a minute? And I swear, if everybody did that for just a few minutes and thought about what's going on and what that person's up against and what they're dealing with, um, you know, you know, we talked about the other day, you know, you say screw that, you say F that, that's not a conversation. You know, that's not having a conversation. Have a conversation about you 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 talk to somebody on Facebook or Instagram or on the phone or 
your some of your pen pal, whatever it is, you know, you got to try to understand their position and what they're going through before you say screw that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're saying screw that, that means that you just you're not interested in hearing the other side of the conversation. And so I think that that's what's going on. It's been going on a while. Um, you know, you've seen it on. I mean, I got totally disgusted with Facebook a couple of years ago, and I I just can't do it. And but you know, social media, everybody's just, and we're talking about it more and more. But people are just hiding behind their computers, they're hiding behind their phones, they're saying whatever they want to say to incite anything that they can. It's not a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't you don't get to have a conversation by calling somebody out and calling them out in a way that's not thoughtful. There's a difference. And if you want to drive somebody in the other direction, go ahead and call them a name. Mm-hmm. Go, go ahead and put them in a box. Call them a liberal. Call them a conservative. Call them a Democrat. Call them a Republican. You know, call, you know, call them whatever you want. And the more that you call them that and put them into that box, the farther those boxes get away from each other. Mm-hmm. And if we keep doing that, we're not going to get anywhere. And I know, you know, you turn on the radio, you turn on the TV, it's over here or if it's over here. Mm-hmm. And there's so many of us that make up that area in between. Mm-hmm. And we are normal, regular folks, and we should not let these folks, these loudmouths on each end, govern how we treat each other. And if we don't, it's, it's like right now, it's just like, are you kidding me? How is this political? Mm-hmm. You know, how, how are these things political? How, how's a mask been made into a political object? Mm-hmm. You know, how, how is going back to school a political thing? Who doesn't want their kids to go back to school? Mm-hmm. We all want our kids to go back to school, you know? But we care about how that happens and who it affects. And if, if everybody doesn't see other sides of it, I mean, it's, we've got to understand each other and listen to each other more than ever. Um, and, you know, about race, about, um, about what's going on in this pandemic. I mean, it's just high alert mm-hmm. and it's time for people to just stop going F that mm-hmm. I'm not listening because that doesn't work. Yeah, so. I agree. I want to work for Aaron. I know. My first job when I was 16 was at a place called the Hickory House, a barbecue restaurant <laughs> in Augusta. I just thought about that. We had one in Atlanta. Yeah. I feel like we had one. It was too. my first job. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So I have Well, hope. I mean, I got to... Well, so if know. the shoes don't work out... Right. You right. get bored with shoes. <laughs> barbecue. There's always barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> they, um, well, thank you guys both for being here. And I think we got through some good stuff. Um, and I also really want to thank our works community as well, just like they were thanking their communities because we've had people that have supported us. And without the support of that, we would not be open right now. So I can say that for sure because my PPP loan was probably bought Della like five Barbies. So it really wasn't much. Um, but, um, yes, you guys, let's just keep going out and having these conversations and sorry, Catherine, but not being assholes. And I'm just kidding. It's okay. <laughs> I know Carter's your daughter. Um, and, and really like, I think, you know, that's a whole other podcast we could, we could do. We might, we might have to like go on the road. Who knows? <laughs> Lindsay, the Sarah, pack of babies. <laughs> um, but thank you guys as always so much for listening. Um, if you liked this, please share it with your friends, rate us, review us. We do these podcasts because we're interested in the topics of conversation and we know you are as well. So as always, thank you for listening and we'll see you soon.